back, everyone, to Are Your Parents Proud of You? I am your host, Matthew Schufreiter. Uh, today's episode is going to be a little bit different. For those who remember my Golden Apple episode I did last year with my friend uh, Alex Albrecht, uh, we took it a step further this time. Today, uh, I speak with my friend, actor, uh, singer, and producer Rose Leisner. We did not meet at the Golden Apple, though. This time, we met at the Glenview Grind in Glenview, Illinois. You might be asking yourself, what is that? Well, first of all, that's a coffee shop in Glenview, Illinois. Second of all, uh, we chose this place because uh, I met Rose doing a production of It's a Wonderful Life last year, uh, one of the great highlights of the year for me. And this was the place I would go to for coffee before a long, long week of shows. Uh, I call it Glenview Grind Time Live, which is going to probably be the title of this episode. Uh, so be warned, you are going to hear background talking, music, uh, espresso, espresso machines, and other things going off. Yes, we are aware of it, and uh, I think it's going to add a nice vibe to it. So, without further ado, here is my conversation with Rose Leesner at the Glenview Grind. You know why I wanted you here? What? Because I did like a diner episode last year. Yeah. And I loved the setting that like people didn't mind the people talking in the background, the music playing. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, this is actually kind of nice. People felt like they were listening in. Yeah. And I thought, well, what better way to come here? Because first of all, this is like home base for us. That wasn't the theater. Yeah. Like, I love this coffee shop. It's wonderful. They sound like the Oh, my God, they do. Maybe they just remain. I wouldn't be surprised. It took a lot of effort to get that up there. <laughs> it took a lot of... Forget it. We're never doing it again. Oh, uh, you know, and that's a mood. It is. That's a mood. Because they now they're hovering with all the Valentine stuff, so you yeah. really can't tell. Honestly, it's it's a missed opportunity if someone doesn't already have this, but like Christmas lights, that LED, you can change the LED temperature up. So like either their color or they're white, or maybe they could be orange for Halloween. Yeah. So you just put them up once, and then they stay on your house all year long. I'm getting weird Stranger Things vibes, too. <laughs> Why? Well, I'm gonna be if you come here at night, and these are the only things that are on. Because I'm going to be the asshole that's like, I want that shirt. Ha! <laughs> Can you please? Can I have it? I want to, can I try it on? I just want to make sure it fits. No, you know, I don't you want it anymore. You can, put it, you can put it back. Okay, thanks. Oh, my God. How long have you lived in Glenview? Has it been a couple years now? We, yeah, so we moved home during October 2020. Okay. We left L.A. Uh, at the end of August, and it took a month to drive home cross-country and did, like, as many national parks as we could. And then we landed at Pete's parents, and they live in East Glenview, just a couple streets down that way. Okay, so this is your husband, by the way. Yes, my Pete. husband Pete, yes. <laughs> um, so we, Pete and I moved home. He grew up in Glenview. I'm from Skokie originally. Gotcha. We were in California for, I was there for about 12 years, and then we moved back during the pandemic. So we lived with his in-laws for about eight months, bought a house, moved into that house in Glenview in early May of 2021. Okay. So, we'll have been in that house for two years this coming May. You know what I think about Glenview, and any suburban, yeah. that, you know, when we get out of college, we want to live on our own, we go, some of us just move to Chicago, yeah. we find a little crap-ass apartment right. with rats and stuff, Yeah. and then eventually we were like, we find someone, and then we're like, <laughs> we want to slow down, not even yeah. slow down, but like, we're, we're done with the city. Right. The, there's like a kind of, and it doesn't happen for everybody, but I felt, especially we felt this way in Los Angeles where we had hit kind of like a level of arrested development where yeah. we 
we felt like financially and job wise, and this is pre pandemic too, we were like exceeding what our living situation was, and we were paying a lot for that like tiny shoebox apartment. And we had friends who were older than us who were like buying homes and having kids and all this sort of thing. And we, we were just like, oh man, I just sort of feel like this is like we could do more than this. And so the plan was always to move back to Chicago. We looked into buying a house in LA or in at least California, and it was so expensive. Yeah. And our, like all of our families here, we both wanted to move back. So that was always the end goal. The pandemic just accelerated it helped, that it helped. a little bit. That's yeah. great. Yeah. So like, what would you call this? Like, this is not. You're obviously you're not slowing down. You're you're, you're yeah. But yeah. like, what would you call this? Because now you're working. You're still acting. Yeah. But you're. This is not. The city. city. Yeah, I would say it has been incredible for my mental health. Oh. Um, like, just not have to, to have to worry or, like, fight for, like, things like parking or traffic. Or it just, it like, everything's a little bit easier. We have more space. And, like, having a yard is wonderful. Being able to get outside and walk in a neighborhood that's calm and quiet feels great. But also, I love Glenview. And I love Skokie as well because we're still close enough to the city that it's not hard to get in no. and out. Um, and obviously, like Oil Lamp being here was a big bonus. It, it, like <laughs> professional theater, it pays. It yeah. does good work. Yeah, and I and I feel like there is in the short time that we have lived in Glenview, I feel like we have gotten so much. Uh, like the benefit of a local community we didn't necessarily have that in LA we had our friends and we had little pockets and places that we would go but I didn't feel connected to the neighborhood I didn't feel connected to what was going on I was like in my little bubble of my like friends and artists and that community that I like people call it kind of like your found family that was very strong right but well there is no community like sorry there is a community in chicago but it's a big hole like it's a city yeah like you go to ravenswood there's not a community in ravenswood right like uh, like i live in lakeview and like i'm not talking to my neighbors every day right like at least in glenview like i'm from grace lake yeah I can. We have the block parties where we go to the neighbors. And our cul-de-sac is rocking. Oh, really? We have the coolest neighbors. Do you remember they came that one night? To- yes, I do remember this. Yeah, and and they, they went nuts for you. They went nuts. They also. I was like so proud. I, I laughed, and Rob was like, "So you're all cul-de-sac? I like four or five bottles of wine." And I was like, "Yes." Was that the night? Oh, this is. I am professional, first of all. Is this when I made the peanut butter, peanut butter jelly joke? It might have been. Yep, that probably that was probably the downfall of my career. <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. I, I joke about that all the time. You no. apologized. I I'm gonna tell this story because yeah, I think it's do. I think it's great. So we met. And then during, I'm gonna tell you my reaction. When yes, please do. So we met doing It's a Wonderful Life last year. Highlights of my life. Love doing the show. Yeah. However, I will say there was a bit of a freedom to ad lib, which is great. I like to ad lib. Now, however, I keep forgetting that this play takes place in the 1940s. And I had to be reminded that you can't make 21st century references. And so the first time it's like, don't do it again. I'm like, okay, sorry. In my head, I'm like, don't do it again, but think of something else. Yes. So I decided to just come on stage and yell, oh yeah, the cowbell rang. And my mom yelled, it's peanut butter jelly time out loud in front of an audience. And I got a stern, stern talking to by everyone saying, 
please don't do that. <laughs> and now, me being the emotional, like, guilty person, I went home and I wrote an apology letter that on the top that said, this is not a resignation letter that I gave to the executive director with you right in front of him. <laughs> you proceeded to run away because the, what did you say? You thought? I thought it said, this is a resignation letter. <laughs> and me, like, avoiding any kind of conflict or I just had that spidey sense of, like, this conversation isn't for me. And so I didn't even, like, acknowledge, I didn't say hi, I just saw the letter and went, <laughs> I, yep, I saw that. <laughs> literally ran away um and then because you had been talking about applying for like an artistic director position somewhere and i was like oh my god he He got got it it." (laughs) and he's i was just like i'm so proud of matt that's incredible i just like made this whole story up in my head i didn't he he purposely got himself fired just to leave Ah! oh my god no I i did not i did not get it nor did I was I fired, nor did I leave. Oh. I'm surprised you didn't see Jay and I hugging at the end. Well, I did, and then I thought he was like, congratulations, kudos oh. to you. Thank you for being here. No, <laughs> we were fine. But that was probably the, probably one of the top, worst and best moments of that run. Oh, so funny. That was oh a great, God. that was, look, we, we can go on forever and how great. So funny. Should I tell you about Gusto since we're like talk about Gusto, this restaurant. So Gusto is this wonderful, like little Italian restaurant. And when my in-laws came to see It's a Wonderful Life, they had dinner beforehand. So I went over to just like pop in and say hi for about ten minutes before going to the theater because we had an early call. And I walked in, and the owner of Gusto, I felt it felt like I was walking into Martini's, um, which is the bar in It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. I walk in, and he just comes up to me and goes, "You from the theater." And I go, yeah. He's like, it's a wonderful life. And I go, uh-huh. Ah, ah. And my father-in-law is there, my mother-in-law, like both of my sisters and their partners. And they're all like, oh my God, you're Glenn Butte famous. Like, and he like, pull, he like pulls me over to his friend sitting at the bar. And he goes, look, from the theater. And they all look at me like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's like introducing me to patrons of Booth. Hello. <laughs> now you can never go in there without being like, She's here. Excuse me, from the right. theater? Yes. Remember Press me? Press the house, please. It was amazing. My father-in-law, like, died. He was so happy. It was amazing. When I was in high school, I did Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. Uh, again, how I peaked. But <laughs> after it closed, it was my sister's confirmation. Were so you it, Seymour? I was uh, the dentist. I was Orange Oh, Cabello. wonderful. Yeah, it was perfect. I can Catholic. see you doing either. Yeah. We love to do both. Uh, but we had, my sister's confirmation was like a week after we closed. So we went to this dinner. And the, this whole day was all about her. And the waiter came up to me. The owner. No, it wasn't the waiter. He goes, excuse me. I didn't know we had uh, some famous people here. This dentist guy. I'm like, oh. And my sister was so mad. Like, of course. We go it's out. Your day. It's your It's your day. She was so mad. And that's why we've never gone back to that restaurant. Oh, my gosh. Oh. That's I was funny. A, I was very happy that day. Oh, good for you. I had a moment like that in LA one time, which was cool. I did a children's theater production that was in, I lived in Culver City, um, and there's a beautiful like park, and the Culver City Public Theater does a summer show, and the it was this wonderful show called Rosalind and the Falcon. It was kind of a combination of like Twelfth Night and Snow White, and it was really sweet. So I was this character, Rosalind, who then evolves and becomes the Falcon. A little bit of Robin Hood, too. She would, like, steal from the rich and give back to the poor. Right. Um, and so, like, part of the show, there would be, like, moments where they'd be like, oh, it's the Falcon. 
Um, and so I was at my local Trader Joe's a week after we closed because we were out doing it for like a month and a half, I think. And I'm like looking at my little like chips and dip and I just from across Trader Joe's just go, look, it's the Falcon. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. And I, he came over he was an employee there. And he's like, sorry, we live in Culver. My daughter like dragged us to that show at least four times. She loved it so much. And I knew that you shopped here because I've seen you around. And so I've been like waiting for you to come in so I could scream that. It's the Falcon. You know, I've been waiting. I've been, I, I haven't gotten any like, sleep. I felt so, like, tickled. I'm just the fact that, like, so many... It, that was such a great show. You know this, because you do children's theater. Right. If you have, like, kids coming back over and over, it's the sweetest thing when, they, that like, something just resonates for them. Yeah. And it just makes my day. And they don't know who you are after the show's over. Yeah. I would, like, I'm playing the wolf right now. Yeah. And the Three Little Pigs. And I would leave when the show's over, like, drenched in sweat. Like, yeah. I'm looking very Do cranky. you have a mustache again? Of course I do. Of course. Of course I do. Fantastic. So I've been growing my own recently. Yeah. And then I, I had to shape for a role. Um, but I've been having my own. Nice. But of course, with the nose just blocks the mustache. Yeah. So you need to, like, I have to go insane with it. I have to, have to get my extensions. Oh, my God. But I would add, I'm, uh, last week, my ad lib was the kids because it was this whole chase scene. Because the wolf's chasing the pigs. Mm-hmm. And we go into the audience. Yes. And I go, Where are the pigs? And the kids. <laughs> not, just, unlike, not unlike Mr. Fuzzbox. No, not like Mr. Fuzzbox. <laughs> the kids would just sit there and look at me like they don't know what to do. And I yelled, What's wrong with you? You're supposed to talk to strangers in front of their teachers, in front of their parents. Amazing. Yeah. And I thought, Wait, this actually works because you don't listen to the bad guy. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. So you're, like, kind of teaching them. No, like, don't talk to strangers, yeah. especially grown men as, as wolves. Yeah, that's me. No, that's good. Yeah. I feel like my general rule for my kids is going to be, like, if you are in a situation where you are in trouble, you can't talk to a stranger. Find yourself a nice lady. <laughs> yeah, only a nice lady. Maybe even an older lady. An old, yeah. Who doesn't, who maybe knows where she's at. Yeah. <laughs> and ask if you can please borrow their phone. Yes, and if they know what that is. If they probably suck at it. Yeah. Uh, so I want to know about Young Rose. Yeah. So you grew up in Skokie. Grew up in Skokie. What were you like as a child? Ooh, ooh. I've been told precocious. Oh, I Would you agree? Well, yeah, no, I think so. I think I had no... Um, it's funny, I was doing a little exercise the other day, like, thinking about, um, like, attributes that you had as a kid that you wish you had more of as an adult. And one of the things I wrote down was just, like, fearless and loud. Yeah. Like, I, I would just get up and do something because I wanted to do it. Like, I remember my kindergarten, I was in kindergarten, and there was a, we had a talent show at my school. And it wasn't, like, a competition. It was just, like, if you wanted to do something, you could do something. And I, like, marched up to my mom, and I was like, I'm singing part of your world for the talent show. And she goes, okay, hon, well, do you know it? And I was like, uh-huh. And I just, like, sang it. And she's like, okay. Okay, fun. She's like, you gonna do an acapella? And I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> And then I went and I did it. <laughs> so I, I was pretty fearless. I did a lot of performance art, um, or, like, different performing arts. Yeah. <laughs> just imagine, like, little four-year-old me in a turtleneck doing, like, a performance art piece. No, Sorry. Which you're about to discontent. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so I did, I did ice skating. I did, uh, I was always singing, I did a bunch of dance, ballet, tap, jazz. When I was around five or six, I had a nanny who was a circus performer. Oh, wow. And um, she was friends with Sylvia Destasi, who opened and founded Actors Gymnasium in Evanston. So I used to go, she would like drag me along to her like circus workouts because she was 
she was responsible for me. Right. And so I started, I was like five, like started climbing webs and doing trapeze stuff. And then I got pretty ingrained at Actors Gym at a young age. And I like took classes and basically performed there for a decent chunk of my childhood. I what if you would talk to me when I was like 11 or 12 I was I was set I was like I'm gonna go to circ I'm gonna train I'm gonna be a circuit performer and that's my that's life that's it um so I did that for a long time got to perform at the Museum of Science and Industry one summer which was a big highlight I would always walk stilts in the 4th of July parade um just a lot of fun I did everything and then that happened to be down the it was at the noise cultural it still is at the noise cultural art center and pivot theater is also yeah pivot. so i kind of then started taking classes at pivot and that was when i realized like oh all these like little things that i've these performancey things that i've been doing um led to that and then acting was the one that kind of resonated the most and from then on i just was very I think when I was like 12 or 13 I was like this is what I'm doing I'm going for it I like I'm very serious I did like every single show I could do in high school um was just really driven towards that goal to the point where like I got made fun of it a lot <laughs> because you were doing every show or um, you were just going you were not so much in high school I kind of got over that because at that point I had sort of a like fucking attitude yeah. I want to do this and there's a strength and power behind that right and I felt that at 14 which is cool I want some of that now <laughs> um but when I was in grade school a lot of like you like a lot of the popular kids did sports and I played basketball right. I was like medium at it um but yeah I just got bullied a lot in school so for me like performance like it is for a lot of kids was that kind of like safety Escape, space escapism, yeah. I could be myself I could be a loud creative weirdo and I was in a room full of loud creative weirdos I wonder if just a sense of jealousy I don't even or, or like yeah. from the, the people who bully you not you yeah I don't know or I think I had and I like to think I, I still have some of it but I, I think I just had this like unabashed con- confidence and I wasn't afraid of who I was right and that's easy to poke fun of mm-hmm. when uh if they either don't have it or they're afraid of it or they like want to shut it down I also will say I was that annoying kid that was like a super rule follower I always like tried to stand up for kids who didn't have anybody to stand up for them so I was like if someone else was getting bullied I would step in and be like you can't do that or I would totally like tattle on them yeah be like this person's abusing this other person or we had a lot of diversity in my school oh cool Um, what school did you go to went to St. Peter's yeah uh, Catholic grade school it's no longer a school but the church is still there right yeah and we were incredibly diverse um group of kids so yeah I would stick up for kids who didn't want to stick up for themselves and so then I always just had a target on my back. Yeah. Were you a good student? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much straight A's through college. (laughs) So I I think it has to be jealousy then. I think so. I yeah. Like I'm not gonna speak I can't speak for them obviously, but when I'm here it just sounds like you you were a better person than they probably were. (laughs) Well and I think also too, like, you know, there it's puberty is just like a weird time for everybody and you don't really you're sort of dealing with like new emotions and new feelings and we especially at that time didn't have like a a roadmap of how to deal with those emotions and so like lashing out is the easy thing to do yeah um and and so yeah i totally i feel that and it made me a better person because of it i think that a lot of i was lucky enough that I took the, at least when I was younger, um, 
I, I just kind of took it and was like, okay, well, fine. I'm going to then do this even louder, or I'm going to be bigger with it and, like, you. Yeah, sorry. sorry. Can no, you can swear. <laughs> okay, I don't great. care. Also, I hate the fact that you just slipped everyone off and no one can see what you're doing. <laughs> Audio described. <laughs> Did you retaliate a lot? Were you one to get in fights and like because of this? Um, I did have a lot of pent up rage, and I would take it out on the basketball court. I think. Yes. I'm pretty sure because <clears throat> if I wasn't like expressing myself through song or on stage, it was I was I was uh, pretty because I couldn't shoot in basketball and I was tall. I've been five ten since I was like seven. As a six foot four person, As I know seven. Ten, that's wrong. Yeah. I meant, like in seventh grade, I right. was about this high, um, <laughs> and it was funny. I remember playing basketball as a kid and being obsessed with Michael Jordan because it was that era, and I was like, "Ooh, I want to be like Mike." And in my brain, I was like, Michael Jordan is it. And then I went, like, when The Last Dance came out a couple years ago, I yeah. watched the documentary, and I just had this, like, awakening moment of, oh, I was I'm... Dennis Rodman. <laughs> ah! <laughs> yes, you are. I was really good on defense, and I would tackle other guys. Ah! Full-on tackle. I got the Sportsmanship Award one year. Of course you did. Because, and my coach said this, he said, uh, it's like, we're giving Rose the Sportsmanship Award because no matter how many girls she knocks down, she always helps them get back up. Hey, good good fall there, player. (laughs) Oh, my God. Would you play now if we put you, if you took it to, like, a sports complex? Oh, yeah. I couldn't remember anything, but I... And I'd probably be bad. I'll probably knock someone down. Yeah. That's fine. I'm, I, I will totally do a pickup game, of course. Okay. And lose immediately. But I'll, like, try to... The thing is, I have to pretend I don't care. That's when I actually will hit the shot. <laughs> I just have to be, like... <laughs> like, pretend to be, like, a pretentious asshole that's really good at basketball. And be like, watch this! What? And then I'll make it. The yeah. more I try and focus and actually... focus hard. The, like, more woofs. What do you call it? A woof? Is it a woof? A woof. I don't whiff? know. A, a whiff? whiff? Yeah, a whiff. I don't know. We don't fact check on this show. Okay. The air ball, where you, like, don't even hit the... Oh, air ball. Okay, oh, okay. You, were, you were right the third time. <laughs> it took you a couple times. We don't have a script. It's okay. I spent two years playing basketball with my dad yeah. on Thursdays with his dad friends. So I was, the, like, the second youngest there, and I was playing with men in their 50s and 60s. Yeah. And I was knocked down. Probably once a game, <laughs> a bit of a hip bump. Cause yeah. I'm tall. Like yeah. they, they were not, and they always tell me to Do go. Do people inside. ask you if you play basketball yes. all the time, or like volleyball? Uh, basketball. If I run, yeah. And if I play tennis, yeah. I usually get basketball, volleyball, or I would get a lot. Be like, like, ooh, you an athlete? <laughs> like, yeah. No. Oh, I mean, I guess I am though. I do. Yeah, because I, I teach so. yoga. Yeah, that would count. Yeah. I I tried out basketball in high school. And my freshman year, and I stopped because we had film club the next day, and they were showing it to your mentor. Oh, nice. And I was like, I and it was free pizza, so I was like, I, ha- I have to go for the free pizza. Um, we had, I was, well, I had people at Loyola trying to recruit me to play basketball, and I just was like, no, 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 thank you. You're good. Yeah. So then, where? So where did you go to school after high school? You graduated high school. I went to University of Southern California in Los Angeles. Okay, so why was it California immediately just because that was the film? No, actually, it was the one school I got into. Really? Yeah. How many schools did you try out for? I applied to, let's see, it was USC, Loyola University, DePaul, NYU, 
Fordham, and Juilliard. Okay. So I think six. And Northwest. Did I say Northwestern? Northwestern. Yeah, you said Northwestern. Okay, anyway. So, I, and that's a lie. I also did, I got into Loyola University of Chicago, um, and I got offered a pretty big scholarship to go to their theater program, but that was, like, my, my safety net. I knew if I did that, that was going to be, like, I would then try to start being a professional actor in Chicago right away. Yeah. Um, but, so I knew I wanted either New York, Chicago, or L.A., I had my heart set on New York, and I actually made it to, um, I made it to, like, the first or second round of callbacks for oh, wow. Juilliard, which is exciting. It was pretty exciting. I didn't make it to the final round, but I got pretty close, which was like, ha! <laughs> not people, not many people can say that. No. And I will, I, I was in the same, like, initial callback room as Philippa Sue, because she and I are the same age. Really? And she, yeah. So she, I was in, like, we, like, lots of, like, big things, but we were in, like, all state choir together, and, like... She doesn't know me at all, but I was, like, in circles and every time. Like, I got to see her at IHSA. Um, she, I saw her do, like, Pippin in high school. She was in Les Mis. She was in Parade, like, all the Allstate stuff. And we all were just, like, in love with her. Even back then, she's phenomenal and super sweet. Still um, am. Still in love with her. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my one, like... <laughs> I heard she got in, and I was like, yep. Nope, yep, that not yep. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> we, like, we got to the callback, and they were like... It was her and I, I think we were the only, like, undergrads, all of the other kids, or kids, all the other people in our callback group were, had already graduated from college, because they still do both together. I think if you're going to Juilliard as, with an undergraduate degree, you're getting a master's, but they're still, like, undergrads and grads together. Yeah. So, yeah, I walked in, and I was like, oh, oh this here. Okay. Damn it. Well, it was a nice run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, there's multiple, there's an actor, Gabe Freeze, who has been on the show, and I already told him this, he's my height, he's lanky just like me, yeah. and we've been in callbacks before, and I've always lost to him, yeah. or we've always been called back for the same part, yeah. because we just are six foot four, oh, sure. lanky guys who yeah. can pull off a sweater. Yeah. <laughs> like, we just look like that. Yeah, yeah. And he knows that, and yet he's like 10 years older than me. I would just get excited that I was even in the same room. I was like, oh. you didn't even care. I was just like, ah, right. Even even, and that was even before she was like, which powerhouse did he? Right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I, so I didn't get into any schools in New York, um, and I got waitlisted at DePaul and Northwestern, but I got into USC, and so I was like, okay, I guess it's LA, and yeah. and it wound up being the best fit for me. Um, I loved the program. I loved that I was a BA and not a BFA because I could craft and curate yeah. my curriculum. And I wound up finding teachers that I really resonated with and then working with them. I still work closely with Dr. Sharon Carnegie, who is one of the world's leading experts in Stanislavski. Mm -hmm. um, she actually, I'm going to plug her. She just wrote a new book. Um, okay. And it's very exciting. I'm going to pull up the title of it because it's long and I don't remember it offhand. But it sounds very important. It is. So basically she studied um, because she speaks Russian, um, she she studied a lot of Stanislavski's writings and teachings that were hidden by Russia um, and not really released until after the fall of the Iron Curtain. Oh, wow. Um, and so a lot of how he is taught in the United States is incorrect or was mistranslated. Huh. So in this new book um that she wrote, and it is called, here we go, Dynamic Acting Through Active Analysis, Konstantin Stanislavski, Maria Knabel, and Their Legacy. Um, so in the first half of this book, she gives like the history of 
his teaching and his students and his methods in a way that has not really been or has not been as in-depthly explained as she does in this book, which is exciting. And then in the second half, she um, sort of takes a page out of Stanislavski's book and wrote a a fictional acting class and throughout this studio you get to know like different characters and she sort of teaches the method with her students and I was a part of her workshop studio for about 10 years where we like worked on this technique and worked through it and she did all of her research so I'm actually a character in the book which is you're a character in the book I am now, did she tell you? Did she tell you this? Or did you have to read it? No, she did. She because she had to ask for permission oh, from, fair. The, from the people, and it's definitely like a character, like a summation, like the the scene that I have in the book is a scene that I did work on with her, and she gleaned certain things, but she sort of like crafted a story and crafted examples so that because it was the easiest way to explain the technique was like here, like w- like watch these <laughs> these it, pretend watch. actors do yeah. it or read about it, and it's funny the more I, like the. I find, because I was her, like, work study for a long time, and I was her course assistant for a little bit, and I've just worked closely with her, I find, I find that, like, the character that she's created for me feels a lot like Velma in Scooby-Doo, where, like, Sharon, like, as the teacher, will say something, and then someone will have a question, and then I type it. Well, well, actually... <laughs> like, may, like, Sharon, maybe I can explain it in this way, which I'm, like, so tickled by... <laughs> but it's really sweet. So yeah, definitely check that book out. It's gonna be great. Um, cool. you... So I'm like, I'm like, oh my god, I'm in an acting book. <laughs> Put that on the resume. Yeah, I think it's yeah. Were you able to, were you able to do that fit from small suburban town to big LA pretty easily? Oh yeah, because I was in downtown Chicago all the time. Oh, I okay. like we were. I was. Um, yeah, we we went into the city a bunch. My parents worked downtown for a lot. So I felt like, and the best thing, and I, I say this whenever someone asks me about moving to Los Angeles and what my experience was. I feel very lucky because I started in school. So USC was like a good transition to Los Angeles because I was planted in a, in a safe university environment with like immediate friends, activities, communities, things to do. Yeah. Um, and then after graduating, I had, like, my core group of people. So we all were going through that, like, post-graduation, what the fuck are we doing now kind of craziness together. Whereas I think that sometimes for people, if they just sort of, like, pop into L.A. and they don't have a plan or they're just kind of going to wing it, it can be pretty lonely. Because right. it's not a, it's, it's a hard city to get around, especially if you don't have a car. And even if you do have a car, it's hard to find community, like right. kind of what we were talking about, right? If you don't have a network there in place, it can be a little isolating. So I just like to like warn people, like, yes, LA is great. Give it a, if you want to go, like give it a shot, but just prepare yourself. You're going to have to like put in the legwork to meet people, to put yourself out there, to take a class, to meet friends. Like you can't just kind of rest on your laurels because you're going to yeah. Did you ever at one point before actually moving back to Chicago think, maybe not, this is not for me? Los Angeles? Yeah. Oh, all the time. All the time? Yeah. Yeah. We actually were planning on moving home in 2018 because Pete was kind of sick of his job and we like told our family that we were moving home. We were letting our friends know. And then he wound up getting a promotion at his office in 
LA, oh. which was pretty good. And then we decided to stay. And then I had, uh, and then it was one of those like crazy couple months where just like a bunch of, like I had a plan and then everything within that plan was just like ripped away. And right. so then I had to sort of settle with like, okay, I guess we're still here. I guess I'm doing stuff. And then that was kind of when I was really diving into yoga because I was having a little quarter life crisis and not knowing. Who doesn't love that? Yeah. We all. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> right. We promote them on the show. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, they, I have like mixed feelings about LA. I think uh, it worked for me because I had a uh, crazy, beautiful network of creative friends and we just supported each other. And like, if someone wanted to do something, we'd do it. If someone wanted to put up a show, we'd put up a show. If someone wanted to make a short film, we would do features. Like, yeah. we just kind of, um, we weren't getting yeses from other people. So we were just like, okay, how do we collaborate and collectively? Um, enhance ourselves as artists together and it's just like some of the most wonderful people I've ever worked with and it's interesting because now we're all kind of like sprinkled across the country some people are still in LA some people are on the east coast Um, I'm the only one in Chicago I'm trying to like trying to bring people in come here this is great it's great did you ever see shows at the Geffen? I did not see anything at the Geffen we were subscribers to the Amundsen Theater. Yeah. Um, and I we went and I'd seen a couple shows at the Mark Tuber Forum as well because so when I was at USC, they're called Center Theater Group. Yeah. Um, so we had uh, a relationship with them where sometimes people would get internships through CTG. We would have actors come and do talkbacks. Sometimes we could get discount tickets to shows. Love that. Um, I got to see Chris Pine in the Lieutenant of Inishmore. Ooh. Twice. It was so good. Oh my gosh. This is almost in pre Star Trek. Like yes, pre. This oh. would have been like 2010. Okay, yeah. yeah. Like, I think he had just done Just Star Trek. Yeah. yeah, it just came out. And yeah. Like, it's, okay. Yeah, so he, no, yeah, Star Trek hadn't come out yet. And he, I, like, I knew of him from other things. And, and I was just, like, very excited. Yeah, so I got to see some real cool stuff. Um, but also when Pete was in California with me, he worked downtown. So it was easy for us to go, like, see a show there. But um, uh, I have a couple friends who run... Um, Courage Theater Company in yeah. Los Angeles. They are doing really great. They just did a production of Rent that I think might be going to New York because it was like really stellar. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think of other. There are a lot of really good pockets of, of quality theater in LA. Yeah. It's just it's kind of hard to get your foot in the door if you. Don't. It's also just not. You can tell me if I'm wrong. It's not a big. You don't go there for the theater. Yeah, and and my experience. This is just my experience personally. It's not everybody's, but I do find that. Um, at least having been back in Chicago, there is more of a, a feeling across the board of actors being like, we're doing this because we love it and it's our craft and we're working at it and we're committed to making it good. Whereas that attitude was maybe about like 20 to 30% of the people I'd run across doing shows in Los Angeles. Then you have the mix of people who are just like, I just kind of do it because it's fun. Or um, I'm doing this because my agent says I need to do theater. Yeah. <laughs> Throughout your entire career, the moving, the doing the shows, coming back here. How have your parents still felt about where, like, you doing what you want to do? Have they been that supportive? Oh, they've been so supportive. They have never been like, maybe find something else? No, 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 no. If anything, like, my my parents have been, um, they've been incredibly supportive. They, um, both just like, uh, emotionally and financially a couple times when I've needed it. Um, they, they know and see how hard I'm working. I think, for them, the only, like, disappointment they would ever feel regarding me was if I had, like, a project lined up or if I had something that they, that 
it was like, oh my god, that's so cool, it's gonna be big and all this, and then it would like do fine. Yeah. But they, I think they just were like, no, you're worthy of like really great success, and that was like a little blip. And now I'm now they kind of are understanding a little bit more of like, okay, it's a series of little blips that yeah. can like evolve and mm-hmm. grow. Um, so yeah, no, they've been wonderful. My mom is a performer as well. She is okay. yeah, she was a double major in voice and business in college, and then she went into law. And she was a stalwart of the Chicago Bar Association um, Christmas Spirits Bar Show for years. She still is involved with them, and she sings in like three different choirs. She canters. Um, she's she's been a performer her whole life. My dad uh, is an accountant, but he plays the guitar. My dad's side of the family all really musical. We have we call them Leisner. We our family gatherings. Everybody brings a stringed instrument. We call them Leisner picking parties. Oh yeah, I love that. <laughs> so we've got a very like wholesome, sweet, supportive, creative family with a healthy dose of, but you also need to make money. Yes. So it's, it's never been like one or the other. It's like, find a way to do both. Or if you have to have a day job, find a day job that can support you financially, work hard at it and, and don't, but also don't let it get in the way of your artistic dreams. Cause if you're killing yourself at a job, that's not helpful or then they would always be supportive in me finding a, a different avenue or a different path forward. <laughs> My dad would do that because I would tell him when I was teaching for a while, I would work five days a week, you know, eight to five, whatever. My dad like, oh, good, good. That should be a nice, healthy paycheck. I'm like, I know, but the roles are drying up right now. It's like, well, so what? You're, you're, making, you're making money. I'm like, but I'm so bored. I know. And I'm tired of four-year-olds, dad. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, I need to know about this Shaq story. Oh! That you worked with Mr. Shaquille O'Neal. I did. And Kendrick Lamar. And Kendrick Lamar. All in one, like, one oh, day, I'm right? I'm so sorry. It was just really heavy. I needed to drop that name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, that was bananas. That happened very quickly. And that actually was not something that I auditioned for. So I worked at a... I think there's still a company. They're called Soaptopia. Okay. It was a small vegan... Well, I say small, actually pretty big. It was a um, small store, but we did a lot of like wholesale and sending and a lot of online orders. Um, and it was a vegan uh, homemade soap and body shop. So we sold mostly our soaps. We sold like bath, bubble bath, bath right. salts, things like of that ilk. And we got a call. I was working there as their customer service manager and store manager. Again, just wearing a lot of hats. And... Um, and I got a call when I was there one day and it was from American Express and they were looking to showcase small businesses for their Shop Small Saturday campaign. Yeah. And so I took the call. I passed it over to our owner. Um, and she used to be, before starting her business, she was like a line producer for commercials. So she was very much in that world. We were like, okay, cool, free publicity. And then she kind of mentioned that I was an actor and they were like, oh, great. Well, we'll use her. So... The premise of the commercial was just that Shaq and Kendrick were shopping at Soaptopia, and I was, like, helping them out. Yeah. And, like, the edit, the cut that they used is just me going, hi, Kendrick, and he's like, hi, Rose. But we, that was, like, one of about probably 30 different takes of different things that we did. Like, me sort of, like, joking around with them, like, throwing soap to Shaq. Like, there was one point where um, our, our director, who is British, was like, Rose, Rose, can you come in here? I want you to stand in between Shaq and Kendrick. And then Shaq, can you reach your arm around Kendrick and just pull them both in for a big hug? And Shaq just looked at me. And I looked 
very up at him, which is a new experience for me because I'm really tall. Yeah. And I was like staring up at him, and he goes, "You're not gonna come after me for ten years, yeah, like ten years from now for this hug, are you?" And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, "Shag, I feel like consent to this hug. We're absolutely fine." And he was like, "All right, let's go." And so he like we did a take where he reached around Kendrick and then <laughs> pulled Kendrick Lamar into me, and he's shorter than me, so Kendrick's face just gets like smooshed into my face. I then get like sandwiched in between the two of them. In Shaq's arms. And I was like, what? This is my life. This what is the greatest day of your life. It was so funny. Yeah, and it was, and like, Shaq was exactly how you'd expect him to be. Big brother, super brother, sweet, yeah. Super sweet, like, wanted, like, was just like making everything into a basketball joke. We had this small crowd of people gathering outside. He, like, went out and talked to them, like, really nice. And and Kendrick Lamar was very quiet, uh, and he had just gotten back from a long world tour. So he oh, so he had no just, energy. He mostly was just like chilling in his trailer, and we were like, "Yes, no, you're you." Go to sleep. <laughs> Is that out there? Like, if I look for like, what was the product? Or what oh, was... it was for. So it was the campaign was for American Express. Okay. Um, and yeah, it's on. If you go to my website, just rosalieshair.com, I have my commercial reel up great there, plug. and it's in there. <laughs> great, great plug. <laughs> oh no. I'm... <laughs> You did it. You asked for it. I did. It? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I didn't mean that. Oh, no. No, I feel like a... Oh, why? 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 I don't know. Hey, come on. You're here to promote yourself. I guess I am. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought I was here to support a friend. That's good. Yeah, don't leave up. Oh. Yeah, why not? Two things can be true at once. That's my new, like, favorite. I want, uh, like, I just I live my life by it now. Where it's like, yeah, <laughs> yes, I am. Two things can simultaneously be true. So they just be on both arms. Two right. things, Two things can, can, can live true. at once. And then at once on my forehead. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like the little, it's a symbol instead. Right. At. <laughs> it's like a Twitter handle all of a sudden, you know. <laughs> yeah. And tell me this is wrong. I think in learning about you and uh, these last couple months, it seemed when you were growing up, you were a very fast-paced kid. Yeah. That your mind was just going at a thousand miles per hour. And then finally, not even finally, eventually... <laughs> You find this little, you find something that actually reminds you to slow down. Yeah. And now here you are, you're just passing it on yeah. to people who, you know, you say early 60s, they probably spent the first 50, 55, however years of their lives running around yeah. at a thousand miles per hour. And finally, at this point, you can tell them, no, 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 no. It's okay to slow down yeah. and think once in a while. Yeah. And, and slowing down, yes. And also, I think that um, it's interesting because you can sort of sense people's energy when they're coming in and and I, I have been able to find that both in yoga and in other spaces as well I think that something that I'm naturally good at is allowing people to feel comfortable right. and feel safe so that they can either slow down or let go of something or um just find a, find a little bit of ease yeah. that they didn't have. Um, I know it's like kind of a buzzword now, but I think I am good at holding space for people. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and I know that you kind of have that as well, right? We're, I feel like we've joked before where we're the kind of people where we have strangers coming up and just telling us their I life don't story know all why. the time. We make eye contact, man. Yeah, we do. We make eye contact. We, I think that's it. Yeah, we're very soft and sweet. We make eye contact. Yeah. My, friend, my best friend is from Boston, and, or outside of Boston. But she, she made that. I was like, I don't know why. We were out at a bar, and 
this poor woman had just had a really awful day, and I just talked to her for an hour, and I was like, oh my god, why does this always happen? And she was like, because you make eye contact. That's probably why. Stop. Yeah, stop with the eye contact. But that was also my tagline. I always just wore the cardigan because yeah. I felt like the therapist. You're like for a the, cardigan away. A cardigan oh away. Oh my god, it's amazing. That's funny. All right, speaking of crap. Yes. I want to play this game. Okay. Time for two. Two minutes on the clock. Two minutes okay. of random iceberg questions. <gasps> yes. You're fine. I'm so excited. No, There's I'm... No, no right, no right. I think we did this oh, yeah. a few times. You it, you didn't do it with me. I You did it with other people in the past. Oh, but we've never done it. Because you were like, I'm saving this for when we record the podcast. So I'm excited. Right. All right. Two minutes on the clock. Okay. No, no right, no wrong. You ready? Right. All right. Three, two, one, go. Favorite kind of dessert? Pie. AC or DC? DC. Favorite president? Oh, Obama. Uh, who is the greatest game show host of all time? Oh, oh, uh, the guy from Supermarket Sweep. <laughs> I don't want to know. Kidding. Okay, great. <laughs> Sorry, Peter, are watching it yesterday. Okay, great. Uh, what part of human face is your favorite? Oh, uh, the eyes. Uh, Karaoke's on choice. Um, lose yourself by Eminem. <laughs> what is in your fridge right now? Oh, uh, not a lot because we're about to go out of town. So, like, a rotisserie chicken, some cabbage, and uh, a baba ganoush. <laughs> typical, typical bedtime. Ten o'clock. Typical wake-up time. Six thirty. If not a yoga instructor or an actor, what other occupation? I want to be an Imagineer. <laughs> I love that. So that was so sweet. Yeah. Uh, favorite be- uh, favorite Beatle. Paul. Subway or Jimmy John's. Ooh, uh, Jimmy John's. Is a DJ just someone who's good at iTunes? No, absolutely not. I am a DJ. And I, yeah, no. And I stand by it. <laughs> but is a hot dog a sandwich? Yeah. Toilet paper, over or under? Over. Fork, spoon or knife? Fork. Earth, wind, or fire? Fire. What creature, what animal scares the Jesus out of you? Ooh. I like a lot of animals. Um... <laughs> Even bugs are cute. Um, maybe scorpions. I don't like scorpions. Or the scarabs from the mummy. Those guys. <laughs> I hate them. Great. Great. <laughs> Blood painting scarabs. Ten seconds. Toilet paper. Over or under? Over. Brendan or Brandon? Brendan. Uh, what movie would be greatly improved if it was made into a musical? Um. Oh, oh, uh, a lot of them already have. Shoot. Paris Bueller's Day Off? Great! <laughs> Great! That's all! That's how we play time for two! Oh, no, I'm feeling her. I choked on my own spit, everyone. That was so great. That's Choking's great for radio, right? Choking is great for radio. <laughs> right after licking the lips and with the tongue. Me so <laughs> Radio play. Hey. Hey. Rose, I've had a lovely time. Yeah. Uh, my last question is, are your parents proud of you? Very proud. I would agree. My thanks to Rose for coming on the show. Much, much, much love. Hopefully you enjoyed this uh, experimental episode of the podcast that we did. Next week, I speak with actor Jonah Winston, star of Marriott's production of Big Fish. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, email us, parentsproudpodcast at gmail.com. And that is it for this week's episode. I am Matthew Schufreiter, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye.